Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Leek. Tonight I have a special guest. I want my special guest to introduce herself because I love her so much. Oh, you are so sweet. Well, thank you so much, Talik, for having me on. That's how you say it, right, Talik? Yes, yes. I love your name, by the way. Um, but my name is, of course, my name is Hannah. Um, some people might know me as Chada from Big Brother season 23. I was also part of the iconic and historic cookout alliance. We were able to get all six of our members to final six. And in doing so, we were guaranteed a black winner for the first time in BBUS history. Now that winner was not myself. Should it have been myself? Maybe. Yes. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Xavier was a very deserving winner. And if not him, then it should have been Tim. But yeah. that's not why we're here. Um, yeah, so since Big Brother season 23, I have just been in school. I'm about to complete my master's program. And right now I'm in the process of applying to medical school. So stay tuned on where I end up going. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Everybody loves Hannah. Everybody loves her. Um, my, my question I have for you, I ask this question for everybody that's been on here. This is my first question. I always ask this question. How is your mental health? Okay, well, right now, meaning today, Tuesday, whatever the date is, I'd say my mental health is doing well. Um, I've recently gotten some good news and I hate the fact that our mental health can be so contingent on what's happening in your life and whether, you know, you're in a good spot in terms of your career or in terms of your relationships with people, your friendships, family matters, all of that stuff. But the reality of the matter is that our mental health does depend on like the circumstances of our daily lives. So because yeah. everything seems to be going okay in that regard, in terms of my affairs and such, I'd say yeah. that my mental health reflects that. And it's also in a decent, yeah, it's, it's in a decent spot right now. And I'm very grateful for that. And the weather in LA, because seasonal depression is most definitely a thing. So the weather yeah. just being sunny and beautiful all the time in LA, that has, uh, I guess, um, maybe prompted my mental health in an upward uh, trajectory. So yeah. uh, really happy to be living out here. And at this moment, I'm just, I'm happy. I've been spending the day with my sister and family is incredibly important to me. So I can't really complain about too much. Yes, yes thank you. Um, that's a question for you. Growing up, was it okay not to be okay for you growing up? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, I'm going to say no. And I don't think my parents um, intentionally stigmatized mental health, but my mom, she's um, a Black woman from South Africa. My dad is an Indian man from India. Both of them immigrated to the States. So in their cultures, people are concerned, or I don't want to 
you know, generalize their cultures as a whole. But um, as far as like they grew up, they did not grow up with much at all. Um, so they didn't really have the time or the luxury to be um, concerned about their mental health and to nurture that dimension of their wellness because they were so concerned about just being able to eat one meal, two meals a day. Um, they come from very small villages in their respective countries. So that's why. Um, so I, I just don't think it was something that was really addressed in their upbringing. Um, and as a result, that's not something that was, you know, talked about in detail at home. And then also society with people of color, but especially with Black people and Black women, we're kind of... Um, subconsciously fed this myth that our bodies can handle a higher threshold of physical, mental, and emotional pain. So yeah. that sort of, um, I guess, invalidates us getting the care that we need. Um, and, our, and as a result, our standard of care is lower, um, coupled with, you know, other systemic factors and institutional factors that you know, keep people of color and black people on the bottom anyway. Um, and that's part of the reason why I would like to be a doctor is to rectify those uh, disparities. But all of that is to say that um, no mental health wasn't something that was really nurtured um, at home. And again, I don't think that was intentional. Um, but that's something I'm, I'm an older sibling. So that's something that I recognized. Uh, like that was a need that I recognized um, needed to be met. And so I kind of became that person for my younger sister. Whenever she was struggling with anything, I, at least in my head, I tried to make it a safe and comfortable space for her to come to me with those concerns because I can empathize with her. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you for that. Um, I recently um, had Tella on as a guest and I'm going to ask you the same question I asked her because I think a lot of people need to talk about this um, this topic. You know, there's a stigma surrounding men, um, mental health, right? But um, mm -hmm. I told her there's a stigma surrounding Black women. You know, they tell y'all that, you know, you'll get over, you're strong, you know, you're so strong, mm -hmm. you know, you're powerful, you know, like, what do you feel about that stigma where they just feel like, you know, you can't be weak yet you're, because you're a Black woman that you have to be strong. Oh, it's so harmful. Um, you're absolutely right. We're told that we're strong. Um, we're told that we cannot afford to be perceived as weak. We just, we can't, we're not afforded the luxury of having any perceptible weaknesses and emotion and vulnerability are unfortunately seen as such. Um, and like I said, that can be very uh detrimental to our full development if we don't allow ourselves to experience emotion and we don't allow ourselves to feel those feelings um and when you bottle things up inside again that can have a very dire effect on your mental health your emotional health your spiritual health it can even manifest itself in physical signs and symptoms um and more so than that i feel like society just holds us to the highest standard yet we receive the lowest standard of care so there's that dichotomy and it's just it's very unfair because it's a lot for one person let alone a whole community um to shoulder so that i i keep bringing it back to why i want to be a physician and i swear i'm not treating this like a med school interview at all but it's something that really resonates me 
sorry, it's something that really resonates with me. And I keep saying this, but it's a need that I have recognized needs to be addressed and met. So if I can be, you know, one of those people to deliver equitable care to those who look like me, um, to let people who look like me know that it's okay, in, you know, layman's terms, to not be okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to allow yourself to experience emotions and feelings. Then I'm more than happy to do so. And I think another issue is that um, instead of like dealing with the root of a problem that has led to a mental health uh, condition or disorder, um, psychiatrists and psychologists just kind of default to medicating their patients. And uh, Black people, particularly Black women, are often subjected to undertreatment, but overtreatment, where they're just like given these meds and those meds are expected to solve all their problems. But those meds, again, can lead to addiction. And it's it, our healthcare system is um, a mess. And it's it's even more so a mess for people who look like me. Yeah, that's so good. I'm glad. I, I try to ask that question a lot because, you know, I have conversations. No, Black women and stuff like that. You know, I try to have that conversation. Um, thank you for answering it. Um, before we get to our next question, I just want to say anybody out there that's struggling with um, suicide or depression, any deep, dark thoughts, you know, there is a suicide prevention lifeline out there. All you have to dial is 988. The number is 988. And my next question for you is, um, have you ever dealt with any thoughts of suicide or, you know, anybody that died by suicide? Oh, yeah, I want to try to say the right thing, died by suicide. Um, I can start off, you know, um, everybody knows my story. You know, I was sexually abused. My two of my cousins, you know, when I'm 32 now, I, when I turned 26, it started really affecting me um, mentally. Um, you know, trauma, <laughs> you don't dig up the trauma. It will catch up to, you You know, um, suicide survivor attempt so many times. You know, I still struggle with those suicide and stuff like that. Um, I just want to say anybody out there struggling, you know, make sure you got that number. You know, make sure you talk to somebody. And again, my question, I'm sorry. Um, have you ever dealt with any, any stuff like that? Well, first, I just want to say, um, I'm so sorry that that's something um, you were subjected to growing up. Um, and I'm glad that you're here. I really am. Um, of course, I it's not something that I have dealt with personally, but um, suicide rates have just drastically increased in recent history. You know, our generation um, was born and bred in the middle of two um, wars, a recession, 9-11, now the pandemic. So we've had a, a very unique um, context. And I think we're just now seeing some of those, um, like some of those effects manifesting yeah. themselves in our mental health. And I think that's part of the reason why suicide rates have increased just from generation to generation. So while I have not dealt with suicidal thoughts, thankfully, I do know quite a few people who have and who have unfortunately lost their battle with mental health. Um, and so my heart just, my heart, my mind, my whole being goes out to their families, their friends, their loved ones, um, your family, your friends, your loved ones, and yeah. um, our communities that have been impacted by this epidemic. Yeah. It's, um, suicide is, you know, scary. 
Um, like just people out there, just be kind to people. You just never know what nobody's dealing with and battle with. You know, just make you know how they say check on your strong first, check on on everyone, not just your strong, check on everyone. Make sure you are, you know, because some people, you know, I've suicide I try to attempt suicide, you know, I'm a survivor and I know that feeling, you know, sometimes people just don't want to commit it. Um, they don't want to die by it. They just want to just get away from the pain and the voices. So make sure you be nice to people. You just never know what type of battle someone's fighting. I lost plenty of friends to suicide and it's no joke. You know, guys, dial 988 if you guys are in some type of um, depression or you know somebody. It's better to have a bad friend than a dead friend. So make sure you reach out for you or your friend or some family member, no matter who it is. Um, my next question for you. Let's get into Big Brother. Okay. I'm not going to ask about the show, but I'm going to ask you mentally. How was doing Big Brother? <laughs> oh my gosh. It was the most up and down experience I think I will probably ever experience. Um, the highs were really high. The lows were really low. Um, I could probably talk about the impact of Big Brother on my mental health for hours and hours. But what I will say to keep it succinct, excuse me. But what I will say to keep it uh, succinct is this. Um, I I think it's a privilege to be able to go through something where you can go back and watch your behavior 24-7 yeah. for however long you were in the house. In my case, I was in the house for like 72 days or something like that. Um so through that, I learned a lot about myself. I learned that it is okay to express your emotions and express your feelings. It's, I kind of realized that I'm an empathetic person and you don't have to, you know, be so guarded and protect yourself all the time. I learned how much loyalty I'm capable of having and how I'm able to put others in this, you know, grandiose mission before myself and my personal interests. So it, it was a it was an incredible introspective and yeah. growing experience. Um, but at the same time, you're isolated in that house for I mean, we were gone for a total of ninety six days. Like if you made it to jury, even if you were in the jury house, you were away from your friends, sorry, you were away from your friends, your family, your community for ninety six days without a phone, without any technology or contact with the outside world. You guys are very familiar with the premise of the show. So yeah. When you are that, you know, out of touch with reality, the game just kind of consumes you. And the game, as you guys know, is very cutthroat. You know, you're fending for yourself. You want to be the last one standing. So when you don't have your family and those outside, those external forces to to ground you, um, it does start feeling like life or death. Um, And that can kind of be scary because from the outside looking in the the biggest thing we had to worry about was oh my gosh am I going to go on the block this week we didn't have to worry about bills we didn't have to worry about um health we didn't have to worry about you know conflict in the real world family families relationships any any of those like real life concerns so we had it easy but it didn't feel that way and just having to like unlearn all of that has been difficult and I think I'm still in the process of doing that like just transitioning out of that space and back into who I was beforehand 
And then you come out of the show. I'm someone who didn't even have social media before Big Brother, like period. Oh, wow. And yeah, and all of a sudden, and I did that intentionally, not because I was bad at it, but because I, yeah. I keep to myself. I'm a private person. I don't want, I, attention makes me feel uncomfortable. So I didn't want to be on social media where yeah. my life was just out and about for people to consume. And then also I think, um, we, especially as women, end up comparing ourselves to other people we see on TikTok because we're at such an impressionable young age, or at least I am. So I, I didn't want to deal with any of that stuff. And that's why I didn't have an Instagram. I didn't have a Twitter. I had a TikTok, but I only had like three videos on it. And then I come out of the house, I get my phone back, and all of these people have tons and tons of tons of things to say about me. And now they're interested in my life. And it can still be uncomfortable because I'm like, why? Um, yeah. <laughs> and yes, the, the praise has been nice, but it's also just been yeah. overwhelming. And then the criticism has also been a lot to deal with because sometimes, yeah. you know, people say something that isn't true. Um, yeah. So you feel the need to defend yourself. Or sometimes they point out things that are true and then you need to hold yourself accountable and question yourself. Yeah. But that can be, you know, a little, uh, a little discomforting. So yeah. it's, like I said, it's been a blessing. It's also been a curse. And I think from day to day, I'm just trying to figure out how to juggle this post BB life, even though it's been more than a year. Um, yes. Um, but I have a question for you. Um, so mentally you said you talk about criticism, right? And you know, you know, good or bad, you know, it could affect it could affect our mental health or just affect affect our thinking. Um I, I think I asked Kyle and Aza and Derek all this, you know, people from the cookout. And yeah. um question to you is, you know, when you got out the house, right? Mm-hmm. And people were saying like, you know, the cookout is reverse racism. Like, how did you deal with it? You know, I was, listen, I was reading y'all, I was cursing people out in the comments, like, no, it's not. I was going off, yeah. you know. How did you deal with that mentally? You know, what's funny is those comments did not really bear that much um, of an effect on my mental health because reverse racism just doesn't exist point blank, period. So those accusations really held no water with me because I was very much just like, these people are wrong. Like, objectively speaking, they are incorrect. Um, however, the the comments that did get to me um, were trolls or whatever you want to call them, naysayers, haters, if you yeah. will, um, claiming that I just pretended to be Black for the show because I wow. felt like that would benefit me in the game. Um, and then my dad is Indian, right? And... Um, I'm equally proud of both halves of my heritage. Like I, while I do acknowledge that my experience as a mixed person is going to be different than someone who is fully Indian or fully black. um, And that also I do benefit from light skin privilege. It's just always important that you're cognizant of the privilege you have. Yeah. Despite that, I still consider myself to be a black woman. I also consider myself to be an Indian woman. Um, And that's just kind of how I identify. Um, And then you had people on the flip side who were saying like, oh, she isn't even Indian. Um, That's not her real dad or her dad isn't Indian. So people just um, very much invalidating all facets of my identity. And as a mixed 
person and a mixed person in like growing up in a predominantly white community, I you can only imagine how much identity conflict I've experienced uh, throughout the years. I'm just now getting to a place where I'm comfortable as a black woman, comfortable as an Indian woman in oftentimes predominantly white spaces. Um, so to just have what feels like hundreds and hundreds of people try to negate that, it feels disrespectful and it also hurts my feelings sometimes. Um, so yeah. that's probably been the hardest thing to deal with. Yeah. Um, listen, um, I appreciate what the cookout did, you know, um, you know, with the first time in history, you know, you know, six black people made it to the, you know, finals um, six and I appreciated it. I was with you guys on and mm-hmm. I was happy. It was happy to see people that look like me, that's color, you know, it would be dark skin or brown skin, you know, we all one people and what y'all did, y'all made history and there's nobody's, nobody can change it. Y'all made history. And um, y'all did that real dope. It was like so dope how y'all did that. And I thank y'all for having that on TV. Like I, you know, Xavier won, you know, first black winner. And then, you know, this season, um, Teller, she won, you know, how did that, what did that feel for you as a black woman when, you know, she got treated badly on there and I was mad about that too. But um, how did that feel to see her, all she went through, it went as a black woman. How did that feel? Well, I almost feel like she needed to win um, to save the season. Otherwise, it would have just been written off as another BB-15 or BB-21. Like, this was the ending that we needed as viewers, but also that we deserved after the tumultuousness that we were put through, just having to, um, like, watch those triggers on national television. Um, As far as Taylor winning is concerned, of course, I was proud of her. Um, Of course. I felt like it it was always supposed to be her. She was the person who was supposed to make that history as the first black woman because of her story and because of what she went through. Um, And I was, oh my gosh, I was so excited to meet her and to welcome her to the sisterhood. I have been waiting or I had been waiting since July 6th, since (laughs) the second her name was announced. Um, And now that her and I have spent the last, you know, month together virtually every day, we've grown even closer than I even anticipated. And she just is family. Like she, yes. she is just as much a part of the cookout as Aza and Tiffany are, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> but I also do, it, it's unfortunate that she had to endure such a grueling path yeah. to get to the end when no other winner in history has had to undergo um you know, a path full of that many thorns and poison ivy and mud and lions and bears and tigers. Oh my. So yes, while, while I was very happy for her, I, there was um, a level of forlorn maybe because throughout the entire season, she was berated. She was bullied. She was ostracized frequently by her sisters and brothers, people from the black yeah. community um and i'm sorry i lost my train of thought oh yeah so she she was bullied she was ostracized um and she was berated by them and she was very much alone throughout the entire season and even throughout all of that she 
yes, she's she's a naturally gracious and forgiving and kind person, but she has to be that way. She couldn't give them an excuse to say, see, this is exactly what we were talking about. That's something yeah. that only Black people, particularly Black women, will have to consider yes. the way that they interact with each other. So yes. it's almost like, oh my gosh, she, she got to the end and bravo, but also like she she was just very conscientious and mindful about the stereotypes yeah. that we are held to and she had to actively work to defy those stereotypes which means that she was playing like seven different games yeah. in the house whereas winners like Cody Calafuri, Jackson Mickey, um, all of the winners who have come before her some more than others have not really had to worry about that kind of stuff even X didn't once we got down to final six yeah. didn't really have to worry about that like people were playing for him to win so he was just chilling and then he got crowned at the end yeah. um yeah so it was it was mixed emotions but um just knowing her in person and loving her and her uh and I evolving into sisters yeah. who were very near and dear to each other it's it's been the greatest thing that I could have asked for out of this season yeah. Um when I had her on a podcast, I told her I said she handled it with so much grace. I said, I said, I need to be like, you know, her, like what would tell her to do because like when I be at work, I need to be like, how does she she did that with grace, you know? And I'm glad that you brought up the topic of like, you know, if she were reacted, you know, black women, you know, they get painted a certain way. Like I was having a conversation with my coworker and we were talking about um Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we talked about Garcelle. Yeah. We talk about her mm-hmm. herself with the whole child thing. I was like, well, she can't go off because if she goes mm-hmm. off, she's an angry black woman. And she was like, oh, I get it. I said, you know, black women, you know, as soon as you go off or get mad, they just paint you that way. And it's just not okay. It's okay for like somebody else to do it. But once a black woman does it, it's just like, she's angry. She's like, <laughs> it's just, I hate, I hate it. She's and I'm cold, glad that you put that up. Yes. She's the B word. She's aggressive. <laughs> we've, we've heard it all. And, um, Taylor being a darker black woman, she was the darkest person in that house. She was especially assigned uh, those labels and those microaggressions, whereas Jasmine and Amira weren't really. Yeah. Um, That's that's another, oh my gosh, just after such a historic season, it really, really, really made me sad that Jasmine, Amira, Monty, and Terrence at one point were gunning for her, were contributing to the to just like the vile behavior that was exhibited yeah. towards her it really I, I was like listen I love casting because they were responsible for our season but like where did they find these people it almost felt like casting asked them how do you feel about the cookout and all of them were like we hated the cookout you should <laughs> you shouldn't play the game based on the color of your skin and casting was like okay we want you <laughs> that's what it felt like Sorry. It's so funny. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. No, I told Teller. I said I was disappointed that the other black people in the house didn't have your back. I said, but I only the person. I said the people on Twitter had your back, and I said the cookout had your back. I said I'm so thankful they had your. Y'all was going in on Twitter. I was like, yes. And it's it's sad to see you know when black people that go through the same struggles as you don't have your back you know just uh, it's it's uh, that's another conversation. So we we scooped her we scooped her up um, since everyone else wanted to act goofy and 
like clowns. Uh, Taylor is now the seventh member of the cookout. So she won $800,000. She made history as the first black woman to ever win. She made history as like one of the first winners in a long time to not have more than like five or six comp wins under their belt. Um, she made history as the first winner who also won AFP. And now she's part of the most iconic and historic alliance in BB history. What did the rest of them get? Nothing. That's what you get. Yes. <laughs> um, my last question for you. Um, what are some good coping skills that you could recommend for somebody that's struggling with their mental health? Oh, I love that question because at least we're, you know, ending the interview on a more positive and productive and constructive note. Um, yeah. For me, I am someone who has always been um, creative and I've loved music and dance for as long as I can remember. So um, therapy and catharsis for me looks like going to the dance studio and taking a class with a choreographer I trust and who curates a safe space for us to express ourselves. And you don't have to be a professional dancer to go to one of these classes. But if you like music, if you like moving your body, and if you want to break a sweat so you can release some endorphins, um, I would definitely recommend dance. I know a lot of people... Uh, prefer other artistic outlets like painting, drawing, sketching, photography. I also love taking um, hot girl walks. Thank you, Meg the Stallion, where I can just clear my head, listen to music and be one with nature as cliche as that sounds. Um, I love spending time with my sister and my family. And I'm fortunate enough for my sister to live less than 35 minutes away from me. So um, like twice a week, we'll have our little sister day. Um, I, let's see, what else? Uh, getting sunshine, if you have the means to. I know some people do not live in sunny, warm states. Yeah. Um, and that can affect your mental health adversely. But if you can go outside, I would recommend going outside. Yes. Um, and those are kind of like my three main things. Oh, and then like driving around with music. Just like blasting yes. music that I you like. Playing at the top of your lungs. Um, and food. I love food. Um, so trying out new restaurants, different cuisines, um, and just kind of eating intuitively. Like if I'm hungry, then I'll eat. I don't restrict myself. Um, if I'm not hungry, then I won't. If I'm craving Indian food, then I'll get Indian food. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are probably the main things that I do for my mental health, but, um, kind of in line with what I was saying earlier about, um, a lot of adolescents being over-medicated to treat their problems um, on the surface. Um, There are things you can do that don't involve medication that will, that have been scientifically proven to alleviate your mental health, such as the things that I just mentioned. So that's something to keep in mind. Yes. um, My next question for you, um, got this question that will end it. Um, Can you tell somebody why is it important to put their mental health first? You know, you know, like, I got that gift of empathy, too. So sometimes I put a lot of people before me. But can you tell people why is it important to put your mental health first? Prioritize yourself. Sure. Okay. Well, listen. Without your brain, without a uh, functional mind, your body doesn't really mean much. Um, so for that reason, like, there are um, multiple, sorry, there are multiple dimensions of health. You have physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, financial, social, you have all of these different realms. And in order to be the best version of yourself, you need to cater to 
each and every dimension. You can't neglect anything. And I know that can be hard um, because we only have so much energy and so much time in a day, but just try to be uh, cognizant and diligent about not neglecting anything because that will end up, I guess, sacrificing who you are and who you can be as a human being. Um, so I know I just used very abstract language with you, but what I'm trying to get at is mental health is just as important as any other dimension. Um, so yeah, for the same reasons that it's important for you to make sure you're physically healthy, you should make sure that you're mentally healthy and emotionally healthy and socially and financially and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I want to add that. Make sure you guys put yourself first, and especially the people that's like Deanna, they got that gift of empathy. Make sure you put yourself first because you, I, when you said that earlier about putting others first, that is me. I was like, when you were saying, I was just, oh my God, she's talking to me. <laughs> she's talking to me. Uh-huh. We were, you, you got that gift of empathy. Make sure you put yourself first. You know, I know you want like to put, we like to put each other people first and take care, take on their problem because I'm the type of person somebody's going through something i feel like i gotta take it on just like oh no that, that's our problem and we gotta put ourselves first you know we don't want to go through burnout you know make sure you know you do what you gotta do put yourself yeah. first to look like a lot of different stuff you know going to a walk you know driving in the car listening to music you know dancing working out um going to therapy you know going to the nail salon getting your hair done yeah. getting a haircut it, it's it's all looks different you guys yeah absolutely um because you're born by yourself and you're one day going to die by yourself. That's the one, those are two, uh, the two truths of life. You're born by yourself and you're going to die by yourself. So all you have is yourself. Um, and that's why you should prioritize yourself. And while I'm here on this earth, I believe that my purpose is to help others whether that be through a show like BB, whether that be through medicine, whether that be in the work that I plan on doing after medicine. But in order for me to support others and be um, that pillar for them and just be like a selfless servant, I need to make sure that I'm doing okay. So yeah, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Yes, thank you. So I like to end this off by asking all my guests, like, you know, you, you know, you're in school, you're in school, what is next for you? What is going on? What can you say to people that let them know what's going on? You know, promote yourself right now. Oh, uh, listen, I do not have much to promote. I'm just really, really busy with school and trying to focus on that. Um, if you would like to follow me on Instagram, it's just my first and last name, Hannah Chata. Um, on TikTok, I post a lot of like dancing videos. I'm not sure if you like to watch people dance. Um, but you can find me at Hannah underscore Chata. And then on Twitter, I will give my unwarranted um, and unsolicited opinions on different TV shows, including BB. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Hannah underscore Chata. So um, see you there. But if you don't want to, that's cool, too. Yes, thank you for being a guest. Thank you for saying yes. You know, guys, I met Hannah in New York City, when it, um, mm-hmm. it's crazy when Big Brother premiered, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was, which is crazy. Then it was over, um, but I met right. her at the party. It was dope. You know, thank you for saying yes to come on. Thank you oh, for talking about mental health. You know, mental health is, is it's more. We talk about it more, but a lot of people are not comfortable yet, fully comfortable talking about. It, but thank you for being comfortable to come here and talk mental health. Oh, 
Yeah, no, of, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, what a full circle moment. I met you when the season first began. Little <laughs> did we know what we were getting ourselves into. Now we just wrapped up the season about a month ago. Um, we got the outcome we wanted and here we are. And whatever I can do to uplift other black creators, I'm going to try to do. So just thank you for giving me this platform. Thank you.